Hello and welcome to Truth in Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth in Journalism, we're going to talk about the Kabul airport bombing. So, I'm recording this episode Friday, August 27th, to make my deadline. However, considering how rapidly the situation in Afghanistan is deteriorating, it's very possible that things will be much, much worse by Sunday when this is broadcast. In fact, I would say that the situation is almost guaranteed to be much, much worse by Sunday. And the point is that it almost must be worse. It seems to be a foregone conclusion that it will be worse. Why? Why am I so confident, if that's an appropriate word, that things are going to be extremely bad in Afghanistan? Well, for two reasons. First, our commander-in-chief is a fool who does foolish things. Our president has capriciously set in motion a series of events that have caused an inconvenient but largely stable American presence in Afghanistan to become a chaotic race to emigrate and expatriate. We've handed over extremely valuable weaponry and technology to the Taliban. We've not only withdrawn air support, but our president would not allow civilian contractors to help the Afghan army with technological support to keep their planes and helicopters in the air. We not only refuse to help the army that we spent $83 billion building, allowing it to collapse in a matter of days, but our president refused to let other people help the Afghans in their army that we spent $83 billion building. Then our fool of a president decided that we were going to rely on the Taliban to prevent terrorist attacks. And it wasn't only our president. He's not the only fool. General Kenneth McKenzie, commander of CENTCOM, said that some of the Taliban are scrupulously good and then went on to say these things. We share versions of this information with the Taliban so that they can actually do some searching out there for us, and we believe that some attacks have been thwarted by them. We cut down the information we give the Taliban. They don't get the full range of information that we have, but we give them enough to act, time and space, to try to prevent these attacks. That includes reaching out to the Taliban, who are actually providing the outer security around the airfield to make sure that they know what we expect them to do to protect us, and we will continue to coordinate with them going forward. Let let those words sink in. We were making it known to the Taliban what our expectations are of them to protect us, the Taliban. Oh, and guess what? According to Politico from August 26th, the U.S. gave the Taliban information on our people. And I quote, U.S. officials in Kabul gave the Taliban a list of names of American citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies to grant entry into the military-controlled outer perimeter of the city's airport, a choice that's prompted outrage behind the scenes from lawmakers and military officials. The move, detailed by Politico by three U.S. and congressional officials, was designed to expedite the evacuation of tens of thousands of people from Afghanistan as chaos erupted in Afghanistan's capital city last week after the Taliban seized control of the country. It also came as the Biden administration has been relying on the Taliban for security outside the airport. By the way, just for funsies, let's look at the U.S. criminal code definition of treason. You can find this online at uscode.house.gov. In U.S. Criminal Code Title 18, Part 1, Chapter 115, Section 2381, we read, Section 2381, Treason. Whoever, owing allegiance to the United States, levies war against them or adheres to their enemies, giving them 
aid and comfort within the United States or elsewhere is guilty of treason and shall suffer death or shall be imprisoned not less than five years and fined under this title, but not less than $10,000 and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. We have our commander in chief either issuing treasonous orders to hand out this information or we have someone in a high position in the government or military treasonously ordering or giving out this information. And apparently, military commanders are too foolish, too cowardly, or too incompetent to refuse to obey orders that are immoral, and, it certainly seems, treasonous. Because yes, officers have a duty, a well-established duty, through the course of American military legal history, to disobey an illegal order. Less well-established, but generally recognizes the right and duty to disobey orders that, while perhaps not illegal, are manifestly immoral. While the applicable laws only protect and punish disobedience and obedience to orders based upon their statuses as legal or illegal, military officers generally believe and even teach that one has a moral obligation to disobey a clearly and unequivocally immoral order. Officers are not only bound by the U.S. Constitution and the Uniform Code of Military Justice, but also a code of ethics. And that's to say nothing of their own personal responsibility before God. And our military leaders who would, you know, you'd think that they'd have their minds focused on more important things like creating contingency plans for what would happen if the Taliban or other terrorists do what everyone on Earth knows they're going to do, which is, of course, carry out acts of terror. You, you know, you'd think that our military leaders would be focused on military readiness. You'd think that we'd have everyone on alert, training extra hard, and we'd be singularly focused on undoing, mitigating, and containing the damage done by Biden's stupidity. But no. No, the sergeant major of the army at almost the exact time the bombs exploded in Kabul, was tweeting about Women's Equity Day and talking about our values of inclusivity. America is making herself a joke. Except it's all self-deprecating humor, and it isn't funny. We have been, throughout this entire debacle, and debacle is too soft a word, this catastrophe, we have been lied to, We've been misinformed, and we have watched 20 years of blood and treasure being flushed down the drain of history for no other reason than the feckless and venal caprice of a senile, depraved old man. Everything that our president said was subsequently contradicted by that cruel and unpredictable mistress, otherwise known as reality. Except, reality this time wasn't unpredictable. It was eminently predictable, because all of President Biden's critics predicted what would happen. Nothing Biden said would happen, happened. And everything his critics said would happen, happened. And indeed, when we see incompetence at this scale, incompetence that I genuinely believe falls into the realm of treason, then one has to ask if it's even possible to be this incompetent. At a certain point, things are bungled so badly that you can't help but wonder if it's on purpose. I know I quoted a lot, but the old saying is true. The world is either run by idiots who don't know better or by evil people who do. I mean, at a certain point, you have to think that we're screwing up so bad that we're doing it on purpose, so that we can have a, a casus belly and can invade Afghanistan again, or maybe Iran. Now, I, I don't want to promote conspiracy theories, but honestly, unless we want to accept that our commander-in-chief and military leaders are this incompetent and cowardly, unless we want to accept that, what's the other option? Either they are monumentally and criminally incompetent, or there's some frighteningly deep game going on, like the deep state's foreign policy elite trying to re-engage in war, or perhaps China's just blackmailing Biden. I don't think either of those things are true. I, I think it's just incompetence. But when you see incompetence at this scale, at a certain point, it makes more sense to attribute this to malice than incompetence. But perhaps I'm overusing the word incompetence. 
because it isn't just incompetent, it's immoral. Like I talked about last week, what we did and are doing in Afghanistan is deeply immoral and shameful and depraved. Secondly, yeah, there's a secondly. I know you I know you think I forgot that I said there were two reasons why I think things are going to get worse in Afghanistan, but I didn't forget. I just got excited with point one. Secondly, how do I know things are going to get worse in Afghanistan? How do I know things are going to get worse? Because Biden has promised that we're going to track down and kill these people behind the suicide bombing. That we're going to, in some way, re-engage in Afghanistan. I mean, how are we going to do that? Presumably, the suicide bombers themselves aren't going to give us any info. Who's going to tell us anything? Who is possibly going to give intel to the U.S.? Who's going to risk being raped, tortured, and beheaded? Who's going to do that? Who? And even if, even if someone signs their own death warrant and gives us good intel, how are we going to carry out an attack? What, are we going to invade Afghanistan again? We don't have bases there anymore. And FYI, Afghanistan's a big old country. It's got 34 provinces and it borders Iran and Pakistan. Afghanistan is 252,071 square miles. Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia combined are 248,052 square miles. And it's full of mountains and caves. So to be honest, I don't really trust President Biden when he says that we're going to get the people responsible for this attack. Why not? Because our president removed all the things necessary for us to be able to engage the enemy. So like I just said, I I don't really buy President Biden's statement that we're going to get the bad guys. And because we can't get the bad guys, that means that everyone's going to know that we can't get the bad guys. If I know that we can't get the bad guys, so do the bad guys, which means that the bad guys have even more incentive to do bad things because they know they're not going to get caught. Two reasons why things in Afghanistan are going to get worse. One, because President Biden and seemingly everyone else in the military and political leadership is monumentally and possibly criminally incompetent. And two, this all started because we voluntarily are removing the means which we would have to punish evildoers, which is the means by which we prevent things from getting worse. It's it's like if we fired all the cops by cutting their budgets or handicapping them so badly that they quit in droves, and then we decided not to actively police in high-crime areas of major cities, and then we somehow expected crime to go away. And then when it didn't, and all the cops had either quit or been fired or become demoralized, and violent street gangs or organized crime took over the whole city, and the mayor says, well, we're going to go catch these bad guys. We're going to we're going to keep things safe in our city. What how how? The whole reason you're in this problem is because you got rid of your own capacity to police. The thing that you need to solve the problem of no policing. Oh wait, we're doing that in our country too. We're getting rid of police in this country. What we're doing in this country is like the guy who flushes his heart medicine down the toilet because it makes him gassy. And his wife says, "Honey, you need that medicine." And he says, "I'm not going to go through life with walking farts." But she says, Yeah, being gassy is a small annoyance, but dying is a big annoyance. And maybe if the meds make you feel bad, you shouldn't just flush them, but cut back or at least keep some on your person, keep some in your pocket. And he says, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And when he finally does have a heart attack, he says it was proof that he was right and that the medicine wouldn't have done any good because a heart attack was inevitable. And now at least he isn't gassy. Friends, that's the logic that's being used here. And if you say, Luke, it can't be that stupid. Au contraire, it is that stupid. It is exactly that stupid. The logic that we're using, 
that President Biden is employing about Afghanistan is exactly as stupid as the guy who flushes his heart medicine and then when he has a heart attack says that it's proof that the heart medicine was not doing any good. It is that stupid. I have quoted this passage before, but I think it's worthy of regular re-examination. Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3 says, See now the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem and Judah both supply and support, all supplies of food and all supplies of water, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of fifty and the man of rank, the counselor, skilled craftsman, and clever enchanter. I will make mere youths their officials. Children will rule over them. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will rise up against the old, the nobody against the honored. A man will seize one of his brothers in his father's house and say, you have a cloak, you be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But in that day, he will cry out, I have no remedy. I have no food or clothing in my house. Do not make me leader of the people. Isaiah 3 then goes on, and it's, uh, read Isaiah 3. Do yourself a favor, take some time, read Isaiah chapter 3. This is a powerful, profound, and prescient statement about this country. I I quoted Isaiah chapter 3 back in 2010, about 540 episodes ago, and I feel even more certain of what I said back then, which is that God is giving us the government that our nation deserves. God is giving us judgment. God is giving us fools and cowards and criminals to rule over us. He's making children and women our rulers. And God is doing this through God's special kind of wrath, which is simply letting us do this to ourselves. God's wrath is being revealed. He is withdrawing his restraint and he's giving us over to a depraved mind. Why do we have perverse man children in the highest seats of government? Because we elect them. Friends, these are the people that we choose to rule us. And why do we give them power? Because we as a nation either agree with their perverse depravity or we're too lazy, selfish, or incompetent to do anything about it. The men act like women, the women act like men. We've, we've forsaken not only God's laws, but natural law. Even the natural law that pagans can see we've rejected. There is only one remedy to the problems that this nation faces. And that's for godly men to get on their knees and pray for God's Holy Spirit to bring revival and then for those godly men to go out and take ownership and leadership and be willing to be unpopular and hated and even to face threats. Godly men must get on their knees and pray and then get on their feet and lead. The church has sold her birthright. Christian men have sold our birthright. And that red soup is tasting pretty bitter. Let's pray that with fasting and tears and repentance, God will raise up godly Christian men to lead this nation, that God will restore us to our place. I hope and pray we will, and I hope you'll join us again next week for another exciting episode of Truth and Journalism. Thank you, and may God bless your day to his glory.